This is Iberian Property Insights, an initiative aimed for those who want to be updated on the Iberian real estate sector. My name is Alexander Lima. In today's episode of our podcast, I'm honored to have with me Federico Bros, Head of Investment and Asset Management for both Spain and Portugal at MNG Real Estate. Federico, welcome and thanks for accepting the invitation to discuss what 2024 may reserve for the Iberian real estate sector. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe MNG is among the top 10 of major investors in real estate in Europe, right? Would you like to start by telling us a little bit more about the company history? Who is MNG and what relevance does Iberia have in your portfolio? Thank you to you for, for the invite. So MNG Real Estate is a real estate investment arm of MNG Piercy, which is a global investment company. And we have uh, 388 billion of assets under management. And MNG uh, Real Estate uh, is part of the private asset uh, division for MNG. Uh, and this uh, private asset division manages around 86 billion of assets under management, of which real estate represents around 36 billion. So you, you, it's right to say that uh, we are uh, uh, in the top 10 of uh, investors in, uh, in Europe uh, and globally we are around the uh, number 25. So it's one of the, of the main investors and one of the characteristics of M&G real estate is that we are asset owner and also asset manager. And that gives us a uh, competitive because in, in all the different products we have, we have uh, different funds, we have uh, segregate maintains, uh, joint ventures. Uh, and, uh, co-ownerships with, with other partners, uh, basically bespoke solutions. So, so normally, uh, in, in most of the cases, we also contribute with our own capital. And, and, and also, we have a very experienced uh, uh, different local teams. So we have presence globally. In Europe, uh, we have uh, seven jurisdictions in which we have, we have a, a local office. I'm heading the business uh, for Iberia, as I mentioned at the beginning. So we cover European, uh, uh, Spain and, and Portugal. Uh, and, and in Europe, in total, M&G real estate is managing around 7 billion, of which circa 1 billion is, is the assets under management for the Iberian portfolio, of which 70-75% is, is Spain, and the other 25% uh, represents uh, assets, uh, properties, different properties in, in Portugal. So that's the main uh, footprint, uh, and we believe that having uh, uh, such a footprint and local offices is, is very, very relevant for or assets that uh, compared to the spectrum of financial assets are very liquid assets. You need a local experience and local knowledge. A very large and global experience. Despite um, a challenging macroeconomic environment and also capital raising environment, MNG has invested more than two and a half billion euros in Europe over these last two years. Besides your focus on long-term leases with very good governance behind it, what other key factors do you look for when it comes to invest? Yeah, I mean, long leases is, as you mentioned, is one of the uh, the main elements. But basically, we look at long-term sustainable returns for our investors. So, so that's the main target. So, we surpassed over two and a half and a half billion in the last two years, just just in Europe and, and UK. Uh, in the last three years, it was four billion, uh, and basically uh, six and a half billion in, uh, across uh, across uh, the, the globe. So, so basically, uh, that's been the uh, in this 
let's say, especially in 2023, a difficult uh, market environment. And, and for us, what is very relevant, so we have decades of experience in selling, buying, manning, managing assets. So, and could look fundamentally is, is a structural favorable trends, uh, like demographics, location, quality of tenants, and now that's something very trendy, ESE. So basically, as long as you have portfolios that uh, tick all these boxes, so uh, so where the location is, is, is good, um, good quality of tenants, so in the end, uh, basically, you can uh, fulfill your commitment with investors uh, and provide a long-term uh, sustainable return. So, so that's really the, the main focus for us. Well, I'd like to pick on the, the location that you mentioned, because in the last months, MNG completed acquisitions in the living segment in both Portugal and Spain. Specifically, uh, you acquired the student residence in Lisbon and two turnkey residential towers in Bilbao. Spain and Portugal, secondary cities, seem to be moving at different paces uh, when it comes to capital attraction. Do you agree with this and what do you think may motivate it? Yeah, so, so it's very relevant to distinguish between tier one and tier two cities. So basically, many investors, international investors, consider in Iberia, Lisbon, and Porto, Portugal, and Madrid, Barcelona as tier one cities. And that's very generic because that's true for, for some specific asset classes like offices, in which, in the end, uh, investors are looking for, for cities which are tier one because of the liquidity of the assets. So they don't only think of the returns they get, but also how to exit in, in, in the medium long term. But there are other asset classes like uh, living or logistics in which there are other aspects that you need to take into account. So, so basically you could say that, uh, that Seville, Bilbao could be tier two cities in relative terms to Madrid and Barcelona, but in the end for living, for us it's really a tier one city in the sense that uh, there are strong fundamentals, uh, demographic trends, so there is a strong imbalance between supply and demand. Uh, Seville, as an example, uh, is, is a city uh, that attracts a plenty uh, a big number of uh, students. So the PVSA asset class is really performing well. Other examples could be Valencia or, or Salamanca. So other cities which are student cities, and the same with logistics. So basically. Uh, you could have uh, logistic assets, properties in Valencia, uh, in, 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 in Seville, in Malaga. So in cities which are really uh, connected to the dif different distribution corridors, uh, next supports, and also in that sense could be considered prime cities for logistics. So, so we need to be careful when we say uh, secondary uh, versus prime cities because it depends on the specific asset classes. Uh, but in the end, what is relevant is that uh, you focus on micro locations that are really performing well. So it doesn't matter whether you are investing, for instance, in living. So in the end, you need to be sure that in this specific city, uh, there is an imbalance between supply and demand uh, and the fundamentals of the market are there. Because uh, now we see, for instance, in offices that even in Madrid, uh, there is a polarization between prime locations and secondary locations. So MNG is in favor and looking at the long term of investing in prime CBD areas, where, where in the end uh, the offices are performing better than briefly. Federico, time for a tricky question. Looking backwards, what transactions would you like to have uh, completed but were not able to, maybe to enter a specific sector or a city? 
Yeah, uh, MID has a strong uh, track record in, in the in the living sector. So so we have around uh, a global portfolio of around uh, 4.9 billion, 2.9 billion in the UK, 0.4 billion in Europe. And it's in 23 when we have a, a closer transaction uh, for a development of uh, two nice uh, resi towers built to rent property in Bilbao and a PVSA accommodation in Lisbon. But it doesn't mean that we start in 23. We have been trying hard in the last uh, two years and we were late for different reasons, but uh, in some cases we were second bidder. Uh, and now so finally we were very successful this year. So I remember an opportunity in Valencia, which uh, is a city that has very, very strong fundamentals for living. So there is uh, some lack of, uh, of supply there. Uh, and we miss a very good opportunity. We were the second bidder. And also uh, for different pockets, in which uh, in this case was a more a valuable strategy, we were trying to acquire uh, offices in Madrid city center and Barcelona. And also we were in the process. We were second or third bidder. And we missed that opportunity. In that case, was projects uh, to reposition the offices, one of them and the other was for, for a new development. Uh, we are doing something similar in Lisbon, we have a prime CBD office building, in, in, in that case it worked pretty well, but potentially, uh, um, answering the question, I think this one, you know, especially on living, we are already on playing a good game, but uh, maybe would have, ideally it would have been better to start uh, a year before. Going deeply uh, into living, I recall that at the beginning of the year we talked about uh, municipalities' new affordable housing programs. Are you finding any compelling opportunities in this segment? I mean, the, the segment itself either is uh, affordable housing or, or let's say the normal residential is very attractive uh, for the main reason that uh, especially in Spain there's a, a lack of a uh, lack of supply so uh, so uh, depending on which source and, and the time time horizon so uh, but in the next 15 years according to the national institute of statistics so uh, the population is going to grow from now we are around 47 and a half million to 52 so it's going to be almost 5 million population growth not because of the best right which is a negative uh, side but it's because of immigration and also another trend is the, is the the size of the household. So we are over the European average and we are uh, moving in the direction to be aligned with the European Union, around 2.2 uh, people per, per household. Uh, and that's going to imply different elements. So the, the main one is that there is a lack of supply and, and we are lacking for the next 15, 20 years of more than 2 million, between 2 and 2.5 million. So there are plenty of opportunities. Uh, and, and I think... Um, some of these opportunities are coming uh, for affordability and, and there are very good schemes, for instance, subsidized by different regional governments and good examples is in the past country uh, where there is new affordable housing. In, in that region, for instance, uh, one of, the, of, of two tenants is, has a kind of protection from the public system. So basically, uh, the, re, the vast regional government is really uh, supporting investors and, and also tenants because they either uh, give uh, direct support to investors to develop a new affordability housing or to, 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 to regular citizens. But the same with, for instance, Plan B Madrid. So there are opportunities. Uh, and in the end, it's not just that uh, you are getting the returns the investors are looking for, but also you are contributing to, to the society. Because in the end, 
uh, one of the main aspects of M&G is to be a, a responsible investor. So we, we, we just not try to get uh, very good returns for our investors, but we also try to uh, build, manage, you know, and acquire assets that in the end promote environmental excellence or health will be in the, uh, for, for, especially for our tenants. In this case, in the case of living for, for, for ordinary people. So I think uh, that's something we are very focused on we would like to, to grow. In a European context, it is often said that Iberia takes longer to correct prices when compared to other major European markets. Do you find this statement to be true? And more important, do you believe we are still lacking a real correction on prices? Historically, I mean, especially for institutional investors, so normally when, the, when there is allocation to regions, so Spain is included and, and Portugal in Southern Europe, and the allocation is, is always in percentage lower, over, I'm talking over, oh. lower than uh, France and Germany. Uh, and it's true that uh, historically, uh, looking at the, uh, at, at the terms evolution, uh, we have been a bit behind, uh, especially Europe compared to UK, and also we mirror with the US. So normally all the trends things happening in the US, six, nine months later are coming into, into Europe. Uh, there's been already a strong deal uh, corrections uh, after the green world and all this inflationary environment. So we have seen most of the correction already taking place in Europe and also in Spain. In that sense, I think right now we are quite aligned. Uh, and I remember uh, at the end of uh, at the end of twenty uh, one, so uh, before uh, Green War, logistics deals were at three seventy five and are already over five. So uh, all the corrections has already happened, still not. So now we are in the last part of twenty twenty three, in the last quarter, uh, and the valuations are are going to imply some still adjustment and potentially something more in in Q one. We need to understand that core inflation is still not under control. Interest rates are over four, four and a half percent. So, and basically, we are still living in an environment where inflation is high. But most of the correction has already happened, and I think uh, the low level of investment in the real estate market in the year has been because of the uh, uh, this correction that is still need to happen. But let's say that uh, most of it is already happening in all asset classes especially logistics, uh, but potentially offices and some other classes still there is further correction to, to take place. But I believe 24, uh, from an investment perspective, is going to be much better year than 2023. We see overall in Europe uh, a decline of over 50% in all the countries. And that's really uh, because of this deal uh, expansion. So apparently, uh, looking at most of the sources, the uh, interest rates already peak. Uh, and most of the market and investment sentiment is that the interest rates will go down little by little, a very, very, very slow speed but, uh, and low path, but basically they will go down in the next two, three years. Um, and I think deals uh, are still a bit behind. Yeah, indeed, we start to see some signs that transaction volume in capital markets may have bottomed out globally. In your opinion, Federico, is uncertainty going uh, to still be constraining investment decisions throughout 2024, or is it at least starting to begin to fade away a little bit? I, I think now in valuations, as I mentioned before, uh, for the end of the year, there will be a further adjustment, uh, depending on the asset class, but uh, we'll see potentially a move of 15 bips, 25 bips, 
in some of the asset classes. Uh, and I think uh, there's still something, some more correction in Q1. So I think uh, the, the sentiment, investment sentiment is going to be very quiet uh, the first part of the year. And, and we expect the second part of the year uh, more transactions uh, and everything to be reactivated. Because in the end, there's plenty of liquidity. So, uh, and it's also, uh, I mean, there's uh, financing available. Uh, and we, do, we have on the system also alternative uh, financing, alternative funds. So basically everything is, re- is ready. So now it's, we need to align the, uh, the profile or, or the sentiment of, of sellers and buyers. And I think uh, we are getting that point. Uh, 24 is going to start uh, in a very low pace, but little by little during 24, we will recover speed and I think we will get back to normality at a different level price, basically. Do you think 2024 will be a year where we will witness the entrance of new players or the uprise of new segments? I think uh, at this level of deals, uh, especially uh, in some cases, we will see some distress because uh, there are uh, Overall, many investors that, that 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 need to refinance portfolios, and some of them will be for different reasons to be applied. So, I think uh, core investors have been very active in the last years, and now we will see a trend of value opportunistic investors coming into into Europe, and I think uh, we will see more value at uh, transactions uh, than in the last two three years for sure. Very well, Federico. If you had to elect one, what will be the big trend for the next months or the next year? I think for, for the next year, ESG. Basically, that's, that, that's the main one, but not just for the next year, it's going to be a, a structural trend. Uh, so basically, most of the institutional investors are really making commitments in order to, to achieve net zero carbon emissions across the global real estate portfolios. You know, so in the case of m our commitment is to achieve that target by uh, 2050 uh, and you cannot wait for the next 20 years you need to start so everything has been already started so I think uh, the trend is that uh, big portfolios uh, asset management uh, companies they will be focused on really uh, obtaining uh, certificates and try to enhance the uh, operational efficiency energy efficiency of the buildings in some cases it's because the regulation is coming uh, in different sectors, like uh, in the residential sector, uh, there's some obligation depends on the countries. Uh, but in other cases, it's because of the uh, it's, it's really uh, the, the institutional uh, investors are requiring that. So I think uh, we have been always a very responsible investor, uh, very focused on that. Uh, and we have, for instance, uh, uh, in our global portfolio, more than 30% of the portfolio already certified. In the case of Iberia, it's 100% with a green certification or in the process to, to obtain the certifications, either free and or lead. Mm-hmm. And I think the trend is that uh, for new acquisitions in general, not just in Madrid, which is really a focus, but that's it. I think that's a global trend. Uh, as long as, uh, unless the uh, the assets, the properties that are going to be developed, in case, for instance, of lean to rent or existing stock, has a, a very efficient energy system, uh, uh, an environmental certificate, it's going to be very difficult to, to, to get a value because uh, otherwise uh, the asset is going to convert a very liquid asset. It's not just a matter of whether the price is going to be lower, it's also a matter of getting the proper value. So I think ESG is in the agenda for most of the institutional investors uh, and you need to be, as an investor, very focused on that, very conscious that otherwise 
you will be out of the game. Can you already quantify what is the difference between a non-compliance ESG asset or one that is indeed with a good certification? In terms of price, uh, still, I mean, people talk about a discount on valuation. I, I think in Europe, it's still uh, it's not clear. And, mm-hmm. I mean, but uh, what is true, uh, and it's for sure, is that uh, uh, there are many institutional investors that are not able to acquire an asset with a specific level of ESG credentials. In our case, for our pan-European living strategy, and that's an example which probably many people is doing the same, unless we, we have a free and very good or excellent or lead code, we cannot uh, acquire uh, a new living product. So basically, uh, when you talk to different developers and they have uh, a target free and good, it's not enough for us. So unless we are able to manage to obtain free and very good, there's nothing. So basically, I think uh, it's not just a matter of how much is the discounting price. It's in many cases that there will be an opportunity if the asset doesn't have a minimum ESG credentials. I think it's good for, for, for the for the society and I think it's, we are in the right move. It's a general trend, which is very positive. Very well. Federico, it was lovely to talk with you. I hope our listeners find this episode as interesting as I did. Thank you once again. This was Iberian Property Insights, powered by Grupo Iberino.